The Bruins lost to the Vancouver Canucks on Wednesday night, and we're going to be joined by a very special guest today on the podcast, 2011 Stanley Cup champion, Sean Thornton. Let's get into it. You're Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Thursday, December 9th. And this episode is brought to you by Stat Hero, the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head to head fantasy matchups. Winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash hockey and use promo code hockey for a 100% deposit match. Want to start by thanking you all for making Locked On Boston Ruins your first listen every day. Uh, the podcast is free and available on all platforms as well as YouTube, so please do subscribe, and each new episode will be automatically added to your feed and to the video channel uh, for you to enjoy at your convenience. As I mentioned off the top, I'm uh, very excited, a little nervous to have uh, Sean Thornton join the program today. I received a copy of his new book, Sean Thornton, Fighting My Way to the Top, forward by Tuka Rask, by the way. Uh, I read that over the weekend. It's a fantastic read uh, for Bruins fans, for hockey fans, and I'm excited to, uh, yeah, dive a little into it and ask him a few questions uh, about the book and about uh, his time with the Boston Bruins. So you're not going to want to miss that for sure. Um, before we get to that, just want to talk quickly about last night's game against the Vancouver Canucks. And really, it's just a tale as old as time at this point. Uh, the Boston Bruins losing 2-1 to the Vancouver Canucks. It was their second game under new head coach Bruce Boudreaux. 2-1 in a shootout. And uh, I've said it after so many games this season, part of the problem was the Bruins were more than willing to pass against the Canucks instead of taking the shot. Joe Sacco, who once again filled in for Bruce Cassidy uh, behind the bench as the head coach is out in COVID protocol uh, said we'd like to see the team play off the shot a little bit more at times. Some of that has to go to Vancouver's credit. They defended well, but a lack of shot first mentality has hampered the Bruins for much of the season. Certainly been a factor in their offensive struggles over the past four games where they've gone just one, one and two. Uh, they've just, um, been unable to score more than two goals in any of those contests. Uh, you have to stick with it, Sacco said. Frustration can settle in easily on a group. Uh, what they'd like to see from the group is to shirt, start, not shirt, start shooting the puck a little bit more at certain times during the game. There's certain times where they pass up on shots. It's clear. We all see it. The eye test confirms this. The Bruins did outshoot the Canucks 36-32. But, uh, again, unable to get uh, the puck past Thatcher Demko, who played very well. Bessie, get down. I've got this plant beside me that Bessie the cat 
he's quite enamored with it right now and wants to dig into there. Uh, usually good players will find a way to score. If they keep putting pucks on the net, their scoring will come. And uh, hopefully that's the case for the Bruins. When the Bruins did generate chances, they were some decent ones. Uh, Oscar Steen rang a wrist off the post. Charlie McAvoy hit the post. Eric Howla had a breakaway goal that was wiped off after an offside challenge. Uh, Bergeron said he thought they had some pretty good looks. Uh, they weren't really taking shots early on, missed on too many opportunities to shoot. And every time they did that, uh, there was a rebound, loose puck, sustained pressure when they were able to create that, just not able to take advantage of it. Uh, Bergeron did score the Bruins' lone goal of the evening on a five-on-three opportunity. He was wearing the fishbowl after breaking his nose against Nashville, said he hated it. Uh, first time in his career, a peripheral vision affected, and uh, it's tough to track the puck, you know, with this big cage uh, hanging around his face, and he's got to get used to it because he's going to have to wear it for, for a little bit here. Jeremy Swayman stopped 31 of 32 shots. Uh, but surrendered two goals on three attempts in the shootout. And um, looking back at it, he said he got a little too deep in the net, probably wanted to challenge the shooter a little more. But again, uh, he has been playing pretty well lately, despite going 1-0-2 over his last three games. Brad Marchand back in the lineup after sitting a three-game suspension uh, for an incident against the Canucks uh, last week. Uh, he played a lot, probably too much, said Sacco, 23 minutes of ice time. Um, his game is fine, always hard, generating, and uh, thought he was good, according to Joe Sacco. Now, the line of Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith did not produce a shot on goal through 40 minutes. So, Hollow was bumped up uh, to the line for the third period, and that lack of anything from Taylor Hall was concerning 14 minutes, 38 seconds, zero shots on goal. Um, Nick Foligno had no shots on goal as well. Um, and Hall in particular, they really need to figure out where he fits in the lineup. He looked really good with Bergeron and Pasternak. They're reluctant to break up that top line and put Hall up there permanently, reluctant to move Pasternak down to the second line and keep um, – Bergeron and Marchand together, so they're really going to need to figure out what they're going to do with Taylor Hall here moving forward. They really need to get him going. Anyways, that is it for today's recap. Not really much to talk about. It was kind of a boring game altogether. Uh, honestly, I fell asleep after the second period, and uh, hopefully they can get things going here tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. Now, before I get to my conversation with Sean Thornton, a quick word about Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the place you want to be if you're playing daily fantasy sports. Uh, obviously, nobody likes to lose. Winning feels so much better. Traditional fantasy sports are a long time losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. Winner takes all. And here's the crazy part Stat Hero shows you their lineup before you play, and you handpick the team you want to face one on one. It's never 
been seen before an innovation that um, puts your odds at over four times better than others. Why? You don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. They put you in control of your fate. You see their team, you pick your players, go head to head, winner takes all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash hockey and use promo code hockey for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash hockey. Use promo code hockey for a 100% match at stathero.com slash hockey. Let's talk for a moment about Stance. Uh, Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborations for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Uh, They are so soft, so comfortable, and Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good, go see for yourself. Register for account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. That's promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color, comfort, of a life less ordinary with stance. All right, I am uh, very excited to welcome our next guest to the podcast. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, currently holds a front office position with the Florida Panthers, uh, remains a Boston Bruins fan favorite, and many Bruins fans have added his new book to their Christmas lists, uh, and rightfully so because it's a a fantastic read. Uh, So yeah, Thanks for uh, jumping on the podcast today, Sean Thornton. How, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I said on the podcast that uh, I received your book last week and uh, burned through it over the weekend. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And you. Uh, yeah, you must be uh, really proud of it and excited for for people to, to get reading it, I guess. Eh? I'm glad you burned through it and didn't just burn it. That's a positive. <laughs> no, so, uh, no way. <laughs> yeah, no, it was... Uh, been a process uh the last couple of years um they they approached me in january uh pre-pandemic and said would you like to uh write a story i said no a few times to be completely mm-hmm. honest i don't really like being out there i'm not uh i don't like putting myself out there um but i was convinced that you know my unique path to the nhl and winning a couple trophies uh might inspire uh someone who's you know been looked over a few times in their lives or uh, has been putting the workout in and just hasn't quite broken through yet uh, or whatever it might be. So I was like, well, now no, I'm a terrible guy if I don't do it, if you're telling me I'm taking away from doing that. Uh, so I agreed to do it. When uh, Dale and I agreed that the thought process of, uh, of the process was going to be, you know, come down to Florida, hang out with my family, hang out with my friends, hang out with my coworkers, and uh, same thing in Boston, same thing up in Toronto, same thing, you know. And then the pandemic hit. So it ended up being a year and a half long uh, phone conversation between mm-hmm. myself and Dale and introducing him to some of my uh, friends, counterparts, coworkers, bosses, uh, previous coaches. Um, so, you know, as everyone had to adjust during the uh, during the pandemic, we also right. too, had to in the process of writing this book. But yeah, right. that's how it turned out. And if you didn't hate it, that's a positive. Oh, no, yeah, I really loved it. And I love the fact that, uh, like you said, there's a lot of 
contact there with with friends and old teammates and coaches with those uh quote quotes like spread out throughout the book which is really cool to kind of yeah compliment what you're saying it's funny that you said you're reluctant to to share stories and stuff because yeah i was kind of blown away by how honest you were in some of these stories and how uh yeah how detailed it was through junior even like the rivalry there with with Michelle Terrian that was that was pretty uh, entertaining for sure that people are going to get a kick out of that and you know the average hockey fan doesn't really get those kind of behind the scenes looks at you know friction and stuff like that so that was uh that was pretty cool I was wondering why did you feel it was important to kind of open with the the Matt Cook story in, in the prologue why why did you feel it was important to kind of address that right off the top um to get your attention now you know what uh we we wrote these chapters and then tried to layer in how what the timeline was going to be how they were and they were readjusted a bunch uh ultimately uh triumph and dale really made the decision on what they okay. thought was going to be the most impactful for me i i just want to tell the stories i'm not the best at designing how a book should lay out uh i just want to be able to write it and, and do an okay job writing it um but to to how you started with the, the truthfulness when I agreed to do it I said we're going to tell the truth like I'm not I don't want this to be a fluffy it's all about me how I viewed the world and not have other people's opinions on it uh, and I think you know the, the Brooks Orpix uh chapter which is yeah. the stain of my the stain of my career and I wish I could take that back I hate to even be remembered for that one mistake but I also wanted Brooksy to have a say on his side of it too and not just be my 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 biased uh view on, on the, the event so um, pretty straight shooter. Uh, most people would agree with that. And I just want the book to reflect that as well. Yeah. I, I really appreciated that, that, you know, Orpic was quoted in the book as well to kind of give that different perspective and kind of his take on things. And, uh, yeah, that's certainly, I mean, yeah, people think about that, but I don't think, you know, me reading it coming into the book, I was definitely more, excited to read like stuff about the the cup run and, and the better times i wasn't right. oh what what's sean gonna say about the, the <laughs> pick situation for sure but it was it was great to get your take on it um i found the one note about how it was reported was really interesting about having it kind of leaked by tsn and your reaction to that i thought that was really really interesting for sure and uh yeah just to get his take on it as well brooks's take was was really cool um you talk about one of the more fun parts of the book is you talk about that uh, penalty shot goal on uh, on Pavlik in Winnipeg. When I was thinking about your career coming into the book, uh, the goal that stood out to me as my favorite was uh, was the one that you scored on uh, on Tim Thomas on the Florida Panthers. Kind of I think that might have that might have got me my next deal with the Florida Panthers. <laughs> I think, uh, the Panthers ownership were at that game and were fooled by that goal. Potentially, uh, <laughs> I was watching it on YouTube yesterday. I was like, "Yeah, that was." It must have been a just amazing to score backhand shelf, but also was there anything said to uh, to Tim Thomas after after you beat him in that I way? Think, I think I rubbed it in a little bit. I think you, uh, I think he was stung a little bit that it was me scoring on him. But <laughs> me, you know, me and Timmy are friends, so it would have been a friendly ribbing, not not anything else. Yeah, that's hilarious. I, I wish uh could have been a fly on the wall when Thomas and Luongo were in the locker room in the Panthers together. That that was just a wild uh 
wild I'm not sure, to picture. I'm not sure how long they would have crossed over here because they did they traded for Lou and then they traded Timmy to Dallas. I don't know how much overlap. Yeah, I don't think it was long. Yeah, but even just like <laughs> even to have them cross paths even once must have been uh, must have been insane for sure. Um, a big theme in the book is uh, kind of the diminished role or the changing role of of enforcers in the NHL. You don't see a lot of um, guys right now who are strictly in the NHL to fight. You talk a lot about how that was kind of your development track and how you uh, were encouraged to yeah play up on your strengths and other skills that you had to kind of make it to the NHL. Um, I think back to, you know, when Tuga Rask, he was bumped by the Columbus Blue Jackets a couple of years ago. A lot of Bruins fans were saying, oh, I wish <laughs> – I wish Thornton was still in the lineup to kind of uh, take take uh, take some ownership over over that or, or to respond. Um, do you think that kind of code, the retribution, is still a thing, or is it enough now to just beat the other team on the scoreboard, let the NHL handle the discipline, or is there still a place in there for that kind of uh, reaction in the moment to when a teammate is bumped or hit in the head, things like that? It probably it probably depends on the situation, depends on the moment, uh, depends on what the infraction is. Listen, I think fighting will always be part of the game of hockey. Talk mm. about it in the book. I mean, the 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 arena is two hundred by eighty five. There's no out of bounds. There's some big boys laying some pretty good body checks. I mean, you saw two this week. I think uh, I think Truba yeah. got two this week, and yeah, had to, he he had to respond immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it wasn't the tough guy grabbing him. It was you know. Well, Stills is a pretty tough kid, and so is uh, so is McKinnon. But um, so that those things are always going to happen. Right. They have to, to to level the playing field, I think, or else you can you get people out there headhunting. Um, I talk about this too. I, I am I'm very okay with the uh, one dimensional, just standing out there to punch each other in the face. Uh, I'm I'm okay with that role being gone. I mean. It, I worked extremely hard to play some productive minutes. Uh, you know, some years I was playing in between eight and twelve. Some nights fourteen. And, uh, it it would rattle me sometimes. Even though one of my you know first few years of my career, that's what I did. But mm-hmm. worked hard to get away from that, and it would rattle me when you know, I'm planning on playing third line minutes on a fourth line, and then but I know that I might have to do that in the first shift just because it's what's expected of the right. role. I never felt like that was uh, a healthy part of the game, anyways. So. Um, yeah, I can go, I can go both ways on it. I think the game's in a better spot, but I do think there'll always be some sort of, uh, guys that can protect themselves to be there for their teammates and stick up for their teammates. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like that kind of quote unquote staged fighting may be gone, but I don't think to get rid of like one of my favorite fights ever is, uh, like Jerome McGinley and Vincent LeCavalier fighting right. in, the, in the Stanley Cup final, right? Like two captains. It was, it was just in the heat of the moment. It happens. And that's, yeah, people love, people love that. Uh, Don't see people I'm, sitting down when that happens. Let's put it Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting for sure. We will get back to our chat here with Sean Thornton in a moment. But first, quick word about Get Primal. Maybe you're the guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. I'm the kind of person who grows it out for about a month, it gets itchy, and then I shave it all off. But with Primal Origin Oils, their products are 
designed to help maintain your beard, make it look and feel great. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. The Primal Origin oils make bombs, oils, whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available. They're all fair trade certified and handcrafted in the USA. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in beard to the other products you've used. We promise you will see and feel the difference. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Again, I have had... Uh, the whipped butter in my possession for a bit, growing the beard out, been using it. It feels so good and uh, smells great too. So do jump on and grab some of this amazing product. Bet Online has you covered for all your betting needs this season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. And uh, you can take advantage of college pro football, college and pro basketball, on top of hockey, uh, boxing, UFC. You can head to their new updated desktop or mobile site to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. Uh, bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And again, just head to their new website, sign up for a free account, use promo code LOCKEDON, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Speaking of, you know, your role in the team, you talk about it in the book when you started, um, uh, you know, Brad Marshan was originally on the, on the Merlot line. And then you guys kind of swapped uh, just looking at his game. Now for me, he's a, a heart trophy candidate this season. And he's been, I think over the last like four or five years, only McDavid, and Dreisaitl have have produced more points than him. Did you see that potential in him early on, or um, I did. do you think it's just a matter of the hard work he's put in to get to this point? Or uh, his hard work definitely helps. I mean, he's one of the hardest working guys on the ice I've ever seen, and off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, they have a great line there too. They have great chemistry. Him and Berg have been playing together for a decade now, so I, yeah. I, it's almost telepathic on. Uh, how they play the game. I don't think we have to talk out there. They know where each other is going to be at all times uh, during repetition of practice games. Uh, he doesn't give up on pucks. He can shoot a puck like I, you know, I shouldn't say not like I've ever seen, but he's got one of the best shots, best releases in the league, accuracy, um, smart, plays hard. He can see the ice well. So I'm not surprised at all, actually. I I, I was amazed when he played on our line. I was like, why is he on my line? This is way too good to be playing with us. Yeah. And, you know, we used to champion that. He would be leading, you know, be scoring 20 goals a year with us, and he wasn't even on the power play and right. at that time. And like, come on, close. Like, the kid's <laughs> that good. Like, just get him on the power play. Like, we're happy for him. But they used him more of the, that second, first, second line, whatever you want to call Bergie versus Kretsch's line at the time. Right. Um, and he was really good on the penalty kill. So they, they used him in those minutes. Uh, he was scoring shorthanded goals. Uh, but then, you know, once he, got elevated to the power play, started playing the 20, 21, 22 minutes a night that, that with Bergie. I wasn't surprised at all that he was going to put up those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's just a testament to kind of how deep that roster was to begin with. And right. the fact that he could be down in the lineup and now he's, yeah, who he is, Team Canada contention. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty, 
pretty wild to think back on that that team. One story that I really loved in the book was how you kind of took the initiative to, you know, kind of inspire the guys with uh, getting some old photos up from some winning teams and things like that. I think about your current role with the Florida Panthers and um, how good the te- that team is right now. Uh, there's so much potential there to, yeah, contend for the Stanley Cup this season. For a team kind of without that uh, history of like an original six club, is there anything similar that you can do to to bring that into the to the atmosphere, into the locker room, like to uh, kind of inspire the guys, like you bringing in your ring or or, or something if like I that? Was, if I was asked, I mean, but I'm so focused on the business side of things. Right. I, I very rarely uh, am down around the hockey ops folks or in the dressing room. Uh, if, if Bill Zito said, "Hey, I think this would be cool. Why don't you come talk?" Like, I'm, be, I'd be happy to do it, but yeah. I, I stay. My focus is on content and revenue and uh, community and foundation here, and I, I zero uh, responsibility on the hockey ops side. So that probably will be created within the room with the leaders they have in there, with the leaders they have on the coaching staff and the Great. development side. Uh, but yeah, no, we have, we have a really good team uh, this year. They, they, we're deep. The guys are playing really well. It's uh, They're a fun team to watch, too. Yeah, that's for definitely. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple more questions for you before uh, before we wrap up. Some of the best parts of the book for me revolve around uh, Tuka Rask, your friendship. Uh, there's a whole chapter devoted to him. He wrote the foreword. Um, you say in the book he'll probably be the greatest goalie to never win one. And that's assuming they can't uh, get it done this year and that he is able to come back. Um, why do you think that he doesn't get the love that he deserves uh, from Bruins fans? Or I don't know. It makes zero sense in my head. Just yeah. knowing him as an individual one, how great of a person he is, how much he gives back behind the scenes that, you know, he was at half, all my foundation events. He's always there. He had his own foundation. He's given back behind the scenes. He has the most wins in the history of the franchise. He's yeah. been to the cup finals three times, yeah. once the backup, obviously, but twice as an, I, I would be hard pressed for anyone to say that the losses were all on him. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, he, in my mind, he's the Conn Smythe winner in, in 2019 for like, without question, if, if they right. win game seven. And in 2013, I mean, we had a couple guys on our team that were getting paid to score goals. Like I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or blaming people, but like, yeah, we had some injuries and then we had some guys that literally didn't score a goal during mm-hmm. the whole Stanley Cup final. Like you score one or two, but maybe it's a different series. And uh, yeah, we could, yeah, I, I it's mind boggling to me. I think this year, I'm not taking anything away from the two guys that have a net this year, but I think people yeah. are starting to, get, starting to feel like, Oh yeah, he is that good. Isn't he? Yeah. But, uh, he's such an understated guy too. I, I don't think he lets it get to him. And then, you know, people probably pile on a little bit because he just is laid back. and's like, you know, I'm right. just going to do my job. But he, uh, yeah, it's mind blowing to me because if, if you had to shoot on him or if you're around him for the last 12, 13 years, however long, 14 years, I think now, like I remember skating in the lockout and guys on other teams, like you have to shoot on this guy every day. How do you have any confidence left? Like he, he just makes it look easy. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably part of it a little bit too, right? The game, he's such a naturally gifted guy. It doesn't look like he's working hard, but he is working hard, right? He's just so smooth. People are like, oh, maybe if he gave this a little extra effort, but he is it just, he's that good. So right. yeah, I, I'm on the same page as you. I think he's 
the best goalie. Yeah. Before, uh, I think even Marsha had said that the other day when he when he joined practice as a, an emergency backup. Just yeah, it's just impossible to, to shoot against him even in practice and even coming off of this surgery. So we'll see what happens. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, kind of just generally, I was interesting to read about kind of your relationship with uh, the DeBrusque family dating back to your time in Norfolk and meeting Jake as a kid, not to get too specific, but kind of when a, a trade request is made public like that, what are the ramifications in the locker room? Is it, is it really as big of a deal as fans might think, or like on a road trip like they're on right now, is it a huge distraction? I've never actually been in a situation. I oh, think, really? where one of my teammates publicly requested a trade uh, that I can remember. Uh, is that what happens? Has Jake requested one? I haven't been paying attention. Yeah, it's, I guess, but, about nine days. I mean, it, I, it, behind the scenes, it was made, I guess, in the summer, but it just came out kind of publicly like nine gotcha. days ago that that he's uh, like a change of scenery, I guess. Oh, well, every player is entitled to that. I think if he thinks the grass is greener on the other side. Listen, I, I know his mom and his dad really well. They're mm-hmm. close friends of mine. They have been for years. Yeah. Uh, so I, I haven't talked to any of them about what his situation is there or what, how he's feeling. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes it is good to get a, a fresh look in a, in a different area, but listen, I love Boston. Obviously I'm, I am a true black and gold. Like, I loved it there. Yeah. But it's not the easiest market to play in either. Uh, if you're being completely honest, like the fandom is amazing, but that goes both ways, right? You can't, you can't go for it. You don't score a goal and you go for a coffee. You're hearing about it. Uh, it's like, you can't hide. Uh, and that, that, that can wear on you after a, a number of years. Uh, I was never expected to score goals, so it wasn't that bad for me. But, like, I remember going into coffee shops, like, what's wrong with the power play tonight? I'm like, I'm not on the power play. I don't know. I don't – that's not my that's not my forte. Right. Uh, and that's what makes that city great as well. But, it, you know, it can – sometimes it can wear on you, especially if you're – and I haven't looked at his stats or anything, but if you're not performing as high as you would like, that, that, can, that can weigh on your shoulders if you're a proud individual, which if he's anything like his old man, he's a proud individual. Right, yeah. Well, Sean, uh, I can't thank you enough for, for taking some time to uh, to chat this morning. I uh, highly recommend everybody, especially Bruins fans, add the uh, book to their Christmas list. There's a lot of good stuff there about uh, your time with the Panthers as well and, and the kind of stuff that you've been doing in the community um, and uh, with your foundation as well. Uh, where can people find more information about your informa- or your foundation and uh, how can how can people help out? Yeah, the, the website's thorntonfoundation.org. Uh, you can make donations on the website if you want. I'm, I'm very fortunate that everyone on my board volunteers their time. So every dollar that comes in goes right back out to the various causes. Um, I think you have the Twitter and the Instagram handle on here at, yep. at thorntonfdn. Um, you know, we have a golf tournament in August every year. I have foundation runners uh, for the marathon every year. And then we really just rely on people giving donations so we can help out with research projects for pediatric cancer, uh, helping families out, and then uh, Parkinson's disease as well, since I was affected by it with my, my grandmother. My late grandmother was really, uh, she had a really bad for the last 14 years of her life. So, um, you know, like I said, we try and every dollar comes in, we try and put it right back out the door into the hands that need it. And um, I'm happy that I still have a, a platform that I'm able to give back and some, having some success with it. For sure. Well, uh, again, thanks so much for, for taking some time. Uh, good luck down the stretch uh with the panthers and excited to see uh yeah what uh what the future holds for for sean thornton for sure bruins fans uh always rooting for you that's uh, that's for sure appreciate it thank you all right yeah take care happy holidays thanks buddy
All right. Thank you so much to uh, Sean Thornton for jumping on the podcast today. So great to chat and uh, hope you enjoyed it. And I do highly recommend you grab his book, uh, Fighting My Way to the Top, available anywhere that uh, you can get books. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Boston Bruins, talking about tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers. Hopefully they can rebound and get back on track. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Hope you enjoyed that chat. Go grab the book, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.